For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Jeff Fidoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in KC and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I will discuss some coaching news and notes from the Super Bowl. Joe, we've always got our eyes on the rest of the AFC West, but last pod we were so busy dissecting and, and getting over the AFC championship game that we neglected to discuss who the Denver Broncos hired. Nathaniel Hackett, the former Packers offensive coordinator, is the son of your former coach, Paul Hackett. Yeah, affectionately known as Nate around the Chiefs locker room back in the 90s. Um, you know, Nate was uh, obviously a very relatively young kid, uh, went to high school in the Kansas City area while Coach Hackett was the OC. And, um, you know, just a neat, neat, neat kid. I mean, he was always around, you know, Coach Hackett always had him up at training camp, running around doing odd jobs and acting as a ball boy and a ball setter and you know, helping out where he can. And look, when you, when you're around the game like that with somebody as well, you know, versed in, in sort of uh, coaching as, as Paul Hackett was through his tenure with the 49ers and obviously with the chiefs and the time we were there, like, you know, he got a chance to hang around with some greats, right. Including Marcus Allen, Joe Montana, Derek Thomas. Like you think about all those great players that came through the chiefs organization, um, you know, Will Shields in the nineties. I mean, just so many great players to rub elbows with. So I'm really excited for Nate. I, I, I think he's, he's got a great mind. I think he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he just knows football. I, I don't know. It's just, it's always nice when it's recognized that, you know, people who, who, who spend their lives around the game, get that opportunity um, as a, at a young age like that. And, and I think he's getting really good grades. I mean, he's getting good grades as bringing, you know, coming into this, this Broncos team that needs help. You know, and it's um, is it one of those things, you know, as a Chiefs fan, you're like, ooh, I wish they would have hired somebody worse, <laughs> you know, uh, just being selfish about our, our 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 rivals rivalries with, you know, within the AFC West. So but as a person and as a football fan, you got to be excited for somebody who has ties like that. Um, and he put his dues in, too. I mean, Nate, you know, was uh I guess he's Nathaniel now uh, that he's a head I, coach. I like how that, that puts, that's so cool that he's still Nate to you. He's still a little Nate Hackett to you. Yeah. Well, I can hear his dad, you know, calling <laughs> at him and, you know, on the field, Nate, get over here. Nate, do this. <laughs> Nate, grab the, grab the ball for the quarterback. Nate, take the snap for the center. You know, um, I can still hear that. Um, but, you know, he, he put his time in in college. Um you know, was position coach, you know, was, was with the bills coached quarterbacks for the Jaguars. Like, you know, he just, he put the time in, I think, um, to, to really, um, you know, to really, uh, uh, you know, earn the spot. It wasn't as if just because his dad was a former 
top-notch, you know, coordinator and, and head coach, the Pitt, Pitt Panthers. I mean, his dad also went through the college ranks as well. So nice to see that, you know, um, you know, there's that sort of like understanding of the college game, the pro game. And I think it's going to be great. And I, I think it's good for football. It's good for the AFC West and it's good for the Hackett family. And he also, you know, obviously because he was living in Kansas City, he went to uh, Blue Valley Northwest uh, yeah. for high school. Yeah, which is cool. You know, it's nice to have. It's a thing. Make always, of course, always makes me think of Brian Schottenheimer, right? When I think about his coaching experience and having gone to school, uh, high school in the Blue Valley School District, and you know, growing up uh, in the same manner, right? Mm -hmm. Just always being around the team and doing whatever dad asked them to do. Nobody got any special treatment. You know, Brian wasn't the. You know, even though his uncle and his dad were in Kansas City, you know, it's almost sometimes. You know, Jeff, it's almost harder on. The, the kids in, in those situations, because it's kind of like, I mean, this is a kind of an analogy, but like I coached, you know, my daughters in, in youth sports for many, many years, basketball, lacrosse, softball. And um, the, uh, you know, when you're the, when you're the, when you're the kid of the coach or you're hanging around that you, you tend to actually get, I think, at least in most cases, less playing time because you don't want to be perceived as playing favorites you're sometimes a little bit harder and more critical on your kids because you're trying to coach everybody else through them because they're your kid and you don't want them to think that they're getting special treatment. So, you know, in, in just making that sort of bridge to that analogy, it can be, it can be stressful too for the son or daughter of a coach to be in that situation, which I think I really, my hat's off to, to Marty and to Kurt as, as uncle, to Brian and to uh, coach Paul Hackett as uh, dad to Nathaniel, as we'll call him now that he's a head coach, but to Nate, like, I just think it's cool that they all treated it very well. They did it very well. I, I remember just watching uh, the local sports cast growing up once and, and they were doing something on Brian Schottenheimer playing high school football. And you saw, you know, it might've even been channel nine. It might've even been Joe Valerio on the sports broadcast. But then I remember Marty Schottenheimer, they showed the shot. Brian Schottenheimer's playing, and, and Marty Schottenheimer's on the sideline, and he's wearing his Apex One Swirl Chiefs jacket. So it's like he is so standing <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, yeah. But as, as far as standing out, any any stories of any memories about Paul Hackett that, that stand oh, out? Oh, well, my favorite Paul Hackett memory, and I think I've told it on the pod before, was when, you know, Joe – you know, he, you know, coach Hackett had always uh, put me in as the, as the third or second tight end and, you know, on goal line and short yardage and, and everything. And I, and Paul even, Paul even saw some, something in this big old body of mine that, you know, there was talk of maybe even moving me to tight end at some point, you know, um, as my career progressed. And that was sort of the plan before I got hurt in 1996 was to actually possibly change my number and become the third tight end. Um, and then obviously the injury happened and, you know, things just, you know, they just go off the track and, but, but Paul saw that I, and I, I really admired him for that, for wanting to find a way to help me get out on the field. And, you know, the, the, I always tell the story about when Joe threw that ball at me, um, when we were running the, you know, the, the decoy tackle eligible play. And I caught it and I just remember, I just can see clear as day. I can see coach Hackett throwing his clipboard up in the air, like, Oh my God. He came running over and he's like, you can catch. I'm like, well, I, I don't know. I'm holding this leather thing. What is this thing? And, you know, I threw it away like a hot potato and, and he's like, 
Joe, you're going to catch a touchdown this season. I was like, come on, coach. God, are you kidding me? Like, stop it. He's like, no, you're going to go. I'm going to show. We went back and we watched film of the 49ers play where, um, where um, Guy McIntyre mm. scored a Joe Montana touchdown. And he, um, you know, he, he showed me the play. You know, Coach Hackett was amazing. He had all these clips at his you know, disposal. And we're watching the plays like, see, you're going to, you're going to catch a pass. I'm like, come on. I was like, coach, this offense really does open thing up, open things up when, when, you know, guys like me are scoring. So yeah, it was really, it was fun. It was a fun relationship we had on that. And we used to joke about it all the time. Well, there's no better segue from talking about Joe Montana to talking about, of course, then Super Bowls. And the big game is finally here as we hit Super Sunday with the last game of the football season. As always, Bet Online has you covered from odd scores, total player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. Bet Online is the number one spot for all things betting NFL in 2022. And it's not just football. Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite biggest casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Head to the Bet Online. Today, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get you started. Fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online where the game starts. Uh, Joe, speaking of the coaching carousel, you know, we'd be remiss if uh, neglected to mention one of the big stories, all the coaching uh, vacancies are filled. Eric Bieniemy once again, no no head coaching job for him. Joe, wh- why do you think this is that uh, that he, he can't find a, a head coach? It can't land a head. Oh man, I you know Jeff, I I I um I just um I, I don't know. I, I, I as you can see, I'm at a loss for words. Right. And I'm 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 not in those rooms, right? And nobody is. And and look, the demonstrated success that Eric Bieniemy has had as an offensive coordinator and the success of the Chiefs, four straight Super Bowls, a lot of it taking nothing away from Coach Spagnola, a lot of it on the backs of the offense. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just let's be honest, right? It, let's be honest. The the a lot of the Chiefs' success has really ridden on the the creativity the explosiveness and the, the ability to score points. Um, you know, it, 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 it just, it, it's really the offense. Right. And I think about that demonstrated success. And the only thing I can think of Jeff, and I'm going to throw this out there and, and I'm going to, I'm going to just put it out there. I don't know. Cause like I said, I'm, we're not in those rooms. We don't understand what's going on behind the scenes on some of these things, but I'm just going to make a conjecture because I spend a lot of time hiring people right at my job. And, and, and I'm involved in a lot of interview committees and I'm involved in a lot of the hiring process at, at, at my work. And, and um, I just, the only thing I can think of is he doesn't interview well. Like there, there's something maybe in the way that he presents himself in those one-on-one situations or not one-on-one, maybe they're doing panel interviews. Maybe it's, you know, like we do it, what I, like we do at work, right? We do panel mm-hmm. interviews. So it's, we pick a topic, we pick a, a, you know, something and we say, okay, these three people are going to talk to this candidate about this topic. These three people are going to talk about this to the candidate about this topic so that you get different perspectives, 
you know, you get different answers, but you're all kind of doing something consistent at the same time, right? Like that's how we do it. It's, it's a coordinated effort to try to, you know, pull out everything that you need to, to make that decision. If somebody's going to be the right candidate for a job. And the only thing I can think of is that he gets into those situations and he doesn't present well, while he may be, you know, I listen again, I'm going to make another analogy, Jeff, you know, I've talked to and interviewed people for leadership positions who have been the most skilled at their job. Mm. They have the technical skills to be uber successful in the industry that I'm in, right? I'm in risk management and insurance and, 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 and in that corporate environment, they would, they're always going to do well because of what's up in their head and how they're able to demonstrate the success either with a client or with their colleagues. But at the same time, when you're interviewing, they're like, I don't know if this person should be a people manager, or I don't know if this person is going to be a great leader of people and that he, they're going to be able to, you know, garner followers, right? So, so I, 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 as, I, as I try to put my own spin on this and my own thoughts around it, that's, that's what it makes me think of. The times when I've interviewed people who are uber successful at what they do on a day-to-day basis, but for some reason, you get this feeling that either as a leader or a people manager or somebody who's going to have to give up what they do, okay, on a day-to-day basis, that they're not going to be able to translate that to being into the role that you are interviewing them for. And I know that was a really long answer to a short question, but it's, it's the only thing I can think of that is happening um, in, in this process. Joe. I mean, that I think there's got to be some element of that. The way he uh, carries himself in press conference, he's so personal, charismatic. And he's also great about not really giving anything away, but giving like this very long, like, so you think he'd, which is kind of perfect for an interview, um, might take, there's got to be some element, like you, you said, of the presentation. You know, you, you, you hope this isn't the case, but just given the climate and, and, and the lack of minority coaches, you don't know if that plays a role. I hope not. Uh, you know, the, the other thing that I, I think might play, Andy Reid is such a great coach. And he's, so, you know, he's such, when you think of the Chiefs, when you think of the Chiefs offense, it's, it's all Andy Reid's offense. So I, I don't know if some people think maybe it's just Andy Reid pulling the strings and maybe, you know, the enemy is not doing as much. In, in, in Chicago, I, I know people, Another thing, uh, you know, Matt Nagy was hired and he was first year, he went 12 and four, but since then really, you know, he was just fired. People really um, upset with him and, and how he, especially how he coached the quarterback position, which was supposed to be his expertise. I don't know if that also reflects badly. You know, that was kind of, you know, they, they lump Nagy and the enemy to former, you know, offensive coordinators um, together. So, you know, that, that's, all, all I can figure out. Well, Jeff, you know, I just, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, bring up the stuff that, you know, that we're all thinking about right now, what's going on, you know, in the NFL and the coaching mm-hmm. uh, ranks and, and things that we're seeing, you know, with the Brian Flores issue, you know, the reason I didn't really bring it up is because my, my prayer and my hope and my absolute desire is that is not the case right. because if it is shame, Shame on the people that are continuing to allow that to happen where, you know, I was uh, lucky enough to, to join um, a Chicago podcast 
uh, some Bears fans, and and we were talking a little bit about about that. And you know, it 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 just it, it, we, we we both all came to the conclusion that you just hope and pray that it is not happening still to this day, and that there are a, a diverse panel of people that are looking at it, and that and that we're take, making the effort to make our coaching and general manager ranks look more like the way the NFL looks, right? Mm-hmm. That's always the goal. There is maybe some, some validity too, Jeff, to what you're saying is that maybe Andy Reid's presence is, you know, maybe Eric is more of a steward of this offense than he is the architect, so to mm-hmm. speak. I, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's the case that he's just kind of bringing out and, and, and executing what Andy is, is trying to do from an offensive, from a playbook perspective. And that, and that, you know, uh, Eric is just kind of carrying out um, the execution of it. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a, t- it's really tough. Cause you're, I'm watching the, I'm watching this thing every day. I turn on the news and bam, and I see another spot filled and, and I hear, well, you know, cause it sounds like for my, now this is me, Jeff, you're probably closer to a lot of this stuff than I am covering more and more of the NFL than I do. But it sounds like the Saints were his best shot. Like it sounds like that's where I, that's at least what I was hearing in the mainstream mm-hmm. media. And when that got filled, I was like, God, there, you know, what the heck? Yeah, and I thought all along the Saints were going to go with Dennis Allen. Just he did it such a great job as the system we you saw. You know, the, the Saints, the fact that they were basically a 500 team with all the injuries they had, all the quarterback issues. Basically, you know, sometimes they didn't even have. Uh, Taysom Hill, who was really kind of going to be there, you know, after losing Breeze and then losing, you know, to Ruff Tyerman and then Jameis Winston, that defense was so good all year. They memorably really totally shut down uh, Tom Brady twice. They shut down Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so I thought he was going to be the choice, even though uh, I was kind of pulling for the enemy. Yeah. Um, and he's getting good grades. He's getting good grades. I mean, and I, you know, again, just backtracking a little bit on that whole thing that we probably should just mention briefly, at least is, is the Ryan Poles hiring for the bears. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. Like people, the people in Chicago that I was talking to were like, wow, tell us about that. Joe. I'm like, Oh my God, did they get, did they get a gem? You know, I mean, somebody who has watched and been a part of the Brett beach architecture and the Andy Reed, you know, field success, like, oh my goodness, they really got a good one there. And I think he is another one that, you know, came up through the ranks, right? College scout, assistant scout, personnel, right? Now, now general manager, what a well, well well-deserved role that is for somebody like Ryan Poles. So I'm really excited about that. Big loss for the Chiefs, big loss for the Chiefs, but a huge pickup uh, for the Bears, and um, that's what you love to see, right? That's what you want to see. You want to see players progr- or uh, people progress like that, and um, and get those jobs that they deserve. So that's a that's a big win for the Bears, a loss for KC, but a success that we should all celebrate um, in the NFL. Totally. He he actually kind of interesting backstory. He, he was at Boston College at the same time. He was an offensive lineman there when Matt Ryan was a quarterback. It's kind of a cool background. And you're talking about his, his start before eventually uh, joined the Chiefs. He was he, even there, um, you know, under some of the, the Dorsey regime, who was also a, a good general manager before uh, Veach. Well, if you want to make some money, how would you invest it in an exciting asset that's outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% for 25 years? I'm talking about art. Masterworks is the new investing app that lets you invest in blue chip paintings from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol without needing millions. Over 300 
thousand people have already signed up. Get priority access with our unique promo. Log on to massworks.art slash believe. That's masterworks.art slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. See important disclosures at masterworks.io slash disclosures. Uh, Joe, and I've been covering here Super Bowl 56 remotely, again, with kind of the pandemic uh, still going around. They have a lot of virtual uh, press conferences that I've been following along uh, as the the Rams and Bengals get set to meet uh, on Sunday. A lot of Chiefs fans may not realize you have a connection. You, you played a bit uh, with the Rams. Well, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, uh, the state of Missouri had a, had a hold, <laughs> had a hold on me, Jeff. Um, you know, as, uh, as I traveled down I-70, um, to St. Louis after, after, you know, getting let go by the chiefs, I, I was actually home, uh, there. I never actually made it back to Philadelphia after I had gotten released that the, the Rams had called pretty quickly and, uh, got to go out there and, and have a cup of coffee with them. It was a it was an organization in flux. What, when what, I was there. what uh, when, what, like, so was this like before? What, what month are we talking? Was this? It was, like, in, it was in September, late September. September. Okay. So it was like after training. You went to training. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then it was, uh, it was on, on to St. Louis. And, you know, Rich Brooks was the head coach. They were a college coaching staff that had, you know, come from Oregon, most of them. Uh, Rich Brooks had hired. There was a few, obviously, a few professional rank coaches that, you know, he pulled onto the staff, but it was mostly college coaches, um, that he had coached with. And, um, it was not, it wasn't a great team. Um, it were bad. We were bad. And, um, I think, God, I, I don't even remember what the record was at the end of the year, maybe four and 12, three and three and uh, 13, something like that. And, and I'll, I'll never forget Jeff, it, 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 to go, to go from a Marty shot. And I mean, this is no, no offense, but you know, coach Brooks was trying to figure out what the NFL game I think was all about. Mm-hmm. And we were going to play the 49er vision game. It was out there at candlestick. And, you know, I'll never forget the coach kind of saying, all right, guys, if we play a perfect game and we don't turn the ball over and we have no penalties, he's like, you know, we got a chance against these guys. <laughs> and I was like, got a chance. Like, <laughs> I mean, that was like, I was like, wow. Like, and I'm not saying Marty, Marty, and you know, Marty, he was never a throw your helmet out there kind of a coach that you you know you're going to throw your helmet out and win but marty knew that you won through preparation and you gave yourself the best chance to win and so it's not that marty ever expected to win but when you prepared you expect to win right that's that's the confidence that you want to go into a game with so i was like this isn't going to be good and we went out there and got hammered by the 49ers and like i just knew that that team was in flux and then obviously a couple of years later, you know, Dick Vermeil takes over. They, they did fire coach Brooks and Dick Vermeil took over and then they became the greatest show on turf. So we all know the power of a good coach and, and working with the talent and finding the right talent and bringing in Kurt Warner. So, you know, the, the Rams uh, really set themselves up for, for success. Once they made a few significant changes, they built a beautiful facility in St. Louis. It was, it was great. It was gorgeous. Um, and um, it's a shame that, you know, St. Louis lost, you know, lost the franchise. Totally. Yeah. And we'll have uh, more on this Super Bowl matchup. But first, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for. To give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stay secure. 
Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe, or use the code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Uh, well, Joe, going into the Super Bowl matchup then, I mean, I know you weren't with the Rams very long. I know they were in St. Louis, not L.A. Do, is that something – do you pull for the Rams at all, or is too many differences with the move? Of it? Yeah, I don't even really – I see the helmets, and I remember wearing that helmet. For they a brief cool time. That, that's still cool. It is pretty cool. I mean, I you know who doesn't like the Rams helmet? You know, and I I, I changed. They changed my number. I was number seventy. I was sixty four when I got there. You, you know, earlier than sixty four. That just doesn't look right. Just didn't. It just didn't go right. I don't talk about that time much um, <laughs> because I really enjoyed my time so much in Kansas City that it really was just a stop. You know, to to seeing I was I was a shell of myself after the injury. It was really tough to bounce back. Even Rich Brooks, when I walked in, when I walked in, Jeff, I was you know I played you know I played at about two ninety five. Like I hovered right around three hundred for most of my my playing career. Um, you know, during the hot months of the season, I would dip down to like two ninety two ninety five. But you know, that's kind of where I played was right around two ninety five to three hundred. When I showed up for the Rams, I was only about two hundred sixty five pounds. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, I was still trying to, cause I, I hadn't lifted a weight probably in, you know, I went about, I went about a month, maybe a month and a half before I was able to really even touch a weight from the time I got hurt. So I made, I played in the last, you know, preseason game in Chicago. What, what injury what, was it, Joe? It was my back. It was my back. It was just soft, it was all soft tissue strains and muscle pulls around my spine. And everything. Yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't squat. I couldn't bench press. I couldn't do any of those exercise that help you keep your muscle mass and your bulk. And I wasn't eating well. Um, I just was, you know, it, was, it just was the tough, it was tough to come back from. And I probably showed up at, at the Rams at 265. And I, I remember Rich Brooks literally, literally said to me, he says, Joe, he goes, he, or he didn't even say Joe. He said, um, are you Joe's little brother? <laughs> I swear to God, I, swear, I was like, wow, coach. I said, I'll get the weight back. He's like, yeah, yeah. He said, be good. He, he said, you know, <laughs> Because uh, I, I really was like a shell of myself. Think about that. I mean, at two sixty five, I, I looked like you know, like I had the I had the 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 size then of like a Derek Thomas. Yeah. At that point, yeah. like that's what Derek usually weighed two fifty five, two sixty five. Like I did not look like an offensive lineman. I looked more like a a big tight end mm-hmm. um, at that point. You know, and uh, go back to those old Bronco days, like an Orson Mobley. You know, <laughs> I looked like I looked like a big tight end, and he was like, wow. And he's like, all right, well, you know, no biggie, you know? And so, you know, I tried to hold my own and just couldn't, it just didn't, I just couldn't hold up. Uh, that, that is, a, that is a, a funny story. I, I know a little bit of a tough time in your career, but a funny story nonetheless. Joe, I'm thinking, you know, uh, I, I am, I'm going to predict uh, a Ram. I think it's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm going with the Rams to win this, but every time I keep underestimating the Bengals. So, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, I've, I, I've underestimated. I didn't think they were going to win in Tennessee. I didn't think they were going to win in Kansas city. Both times they've shown a lot of metal, you know, this is, yeah. this is a good Bengals team. And what's kind of 
scary, I think, for the rest of the AFC is this is a team that could be a threat for years to come with that, you know, Chase being so young, Burrow being so young, there's good wide receivers. And the defense is kind of underrated. Two uh, young linebackers, Logan Wilson's really good. We've talked about the defensive line. Joe, who, who, what's your uh, Super Bowl 56 pick? I, I totally agree with you 100%, Jeff. I, I think the Bengals are going to be a force to be reckoned with over the course of, of the next, you know, years. Um, you know, I think they have, they're doing all the right things um, to build around Joe Burrow and they're only going to do more, right, to build around Joe Burrow. He's he's going to be the crux of it. You know, don't forget about Joe Mixon. They got a decent running game. He was the third leading rusher in the NFL this year. So, They've got the tools. They've got the pieces of the puzzle. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about another AFC team that we're going to have exciting games with in Kansas City. And I think Chiefs fans need to look forward to that. I know it's really hard to hear us talking about the, not the Chiefs. Okay, I know that's hard. And we should be talking about the Chiefs right now, but we're not. And But I want, I want Chiefs fans to take heart and know that this organization is going to do so many good things in the off seasons to build this off season to build just like they did last year with the offensive line and look at the linebacking core and the improvements we had Willie Gay Nick Bolton you know we got to hold on to some receivers we got some work to do there we got to make sure we fortify the defensive backfield I think we need to establish as much as I love Clyde Edwards-Helaire and the running backs that we have I personally think Jeff we need to we need to go after a, a more of a bruiser in the backfield that, you know, when we get down on that goal line stand at the end of the first half against the Bengals, you just hand it to that particular running back three times and let them plow their way in. Right. I think, you know, so anyway, not to make this about the Chiefs. I know we're talking about the Super Bowl, but I think that's what Chiefs fans need to take heart is that we're going to do incredible things this offseason and other teams are going to be doing that as well. But I think the Bengals are going to run into a buzzsaw here, Jeff. I really do. I, I, I love them as a young upstart team. I love the swagger. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow is uh, definitely we're going to be seeing him again in games, playoffs, whatever, Chiefs, Bills, Bengals. Um, I don't I, I, I kind of thought the, paper, the the Tiger, the Titans were a little bit of a paper tiger, to be honest, this year. You, you and I, if you remember, we talked a little bit about that early on. Well, not early on, but like towards the end of the season, I didn't mm -hmm. recognize the Titans. I, I know they had a fantastic record and they had home field throughout there was something about that team that I didn't, there was, it was missing. And we and obviously, I also that. think to their credit, if I think if they had had a healthier team longer, like they were finally healthy after that bye week in the playoffs, yeah. it was just too hard, too many parts to integrate back. You know, if Derek Henry had been healthy four weeks before and AJ Brown had been for maybe then it's a different story too. Yeah. So I think if, if look, the, the Bengals are not playing the Titans this week and, and, they are playing a defense that if they get nine sacks, the game is over. Mm -hmm. It's over. Like they're not, it's, it's, they're too solid up and down their roster. The, the, the Rams have built this team for this game. Like this was, this was a, a, it's an amalgamation and a conglomeration of talent that they put together to win this game. This is, this is making me think of like the New York Yankees. And, and I think, I think the, 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 the Bengals are going to run into a buzzsaw. They're good enough on offense to score points. Their defense is phenomenal, and I think I think the Bengals. And I'm not saying it's luck, but I just think it's run out for them this week. And and I think, look, my dad used to use the term. I think we've said it before on the pod. You know, it could be a puncher's fight where all it's going to take is one big roundhouse by the Bengals, and they could knock the Rams out. But 
you know, you don't always want to count on those puncher fights. You know, you want to win a battle methodically. And I think that's what the Rams are going to do. They're going to smother Joe Burrow and they're going to keep him off the field. Stafford's a great game manager. He's earned this. He's a guy that I give him a lot of credit for sticking it out there for a long time. And I know he got paid well and, and, and the Lions took care of him. But, you know, he's a guy that stayed and he stuck with him and he was as loyal as he could possibly be. I think he's deserved this opportunity. And um, I think I think he's going to manage that game so effectively that it's going to keep Burrow off the field. And you combine that with a smothering defense. I, I think it spells disaster, not disaster, but it definitely spells a loss for the Bengals. Uh, do you have a score prediction, Joe? I think, um, you know me, I'm always in that, like I always pick the winners to go into that 30 range. I don't think it's going to be that high. I don't think this, I think this game is going to be more of a slug fest and not a slug fest in a, in a, uh, like a, a, a runaway barn burner slug fest. I think it's going to be like, um, like a 28 to say like 17 game. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's my prediction. I think the Rams are going to win like 28, 17, a very classic football score, you know, where the, the, the you know, the, the Rams will probably score a touchdown a quarter, you know, methodically, you know, get a couple three and outs, drive score two and out or three and out drive score. You know, they're going to methodically keep the field position and keep Burrow off the field and probably limit the Bengals to a couple of field goals. And I'm thinking like 28, 17 Rams. I'm going a little bit closer. I'm going a uh, 30, 24 Rams, but again, I'm not going to be shocked if the Bengals pull up. I keep underestimating them. I'm, and usually, uh, and I keep being wrong. Well, if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.